Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. That's right, ladies and gents. It is yet another bloody episode of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. I am Mr. Phil Woodvine, your host for the evening. Now on today's show, this is one I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Um, there is quite literally nobody in this world that has walked in this man's footsteps, done the things that he's done, been trained the way that he's been trained, met the people that he's met. He's got one of the most unique stories in all of professional wrestling, no matter where you go. So please, welcome to the show, Mr. Dean Ormark. Dean, how the devil are you doing? Oh, you're too kind with that intro. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good, Duck. How are you? I'm not too bad. I, was, I never say duck in, like, in, in Stoke, but as soon as I get outside of Stoke, I just, I can't help it. <laughs> That's all you. Like, if anybody hears that you're from Stoke, they're like, hey, up, duck. Are you up, Adley? Because <laughs> they're the two things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always get the, are you on Facebook? And they start taking <laughs> pits out of the ooks. I just... Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, it might have been a bit of a charming introduction, but... You're 21 years in this business, and there is no one that, that's walked the same path that you have. I mean, you could you could say, for argument's sake, that Triple H marrying the boss's daughter, yeah, you could kind of compare that to you. You could argue <laughs> that um, guys like sort of Tony Spitfire and James Mason, you know, those kind of old-school trained guys, they've you know, come up the same way as you have. But no one's got the exact same recipe that you have that combines all of those different things. So even though I'm kind of blowing a bit of smoke up your ass with the introduction, it's very well-founded. That's why I was looking very much forward to this show today, because there's no one that's done what you've done. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a journey. <laughs> Let's just I'm, say that. But uh, yeah, just loved every minute of it. Fantastic. I mean, like, dare I ask, it's coming up to maybe like a year that you've not done a show? Yeah, it's uh, a year this month. Fuck, you know, I mean, I like... I know you love it. I mean, you can't be in this business to this extent if you don't love it. But have you got any sort of nagging injuries that are kind of thanking you for this at this point in time? Well, I, I was th- I, like I've said that to a couple of people. I'm just like, over the last 20 years of doing it full time, I've just been like constantly like on full revs. You know what I mean? Just yeah, looking forward to the next show coming up and just 100 miles an hour all the way. And if you get injuries, it's your job and you just have to go in there injured and just carry on going. So so maybe it's like the universe's way of just saying, listen, we're going to cause this pandemic just so you can have a rest. Because <laughs> you need a rest. You're getting old now. These injuries need to to, to get a good rest. So, uh, yeah, the universe works in strange ways and, and maybe that's what's happened here. I mean, like, you know, the, the world has ground to a halt for specifically you. Just you. Yes. You yes, have- that- I, tr- I truly believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but even still, though, even like if people have see just how often you wrestle, I mean, you 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 own a trampoline park. It's not like you're sat on your ass. Now, obviously, occasionally, yeah, you'll put videos up of you sat in your pool having a beer with uh, Oreo, your lovely dog. But <laughs> you, you're always doing stuff. It's it's crazy. Yeah, just you gotta stay busy, aren't you? Because especially now, like. A year without the wrestling, like my the my favorite part of wrestling is like the creative side of wrestling, like coming up with moves and and telling good stories and looking at unique ways, like how to 
project like wrestling to like an audience and stuff and and, and that creativity has got to go somewhere you know so i'm always trying to trying to do stuff you know just trying to do um some tricks and and stuff like that and a couple of tiktoks here and there you know just uh <laughs> just trying to get the create creativity like try and feed it you know because it's still there even though i'm not wrestling like i just want to be creative I mean, see, this brings up a very good point. I put a post on Facebook a little while ago. Now, I've been a, a fan of uh, of improv since I can remember. I mean, I remember being like eight years old in like 90, what would it be, 92, 94, something in that kind of category, watching whose line is it anyway. Now, it's eight. I probably didn't understand the majority of the jokes, but I fucking love the fact that he said, Okay, cool. We'll, we'll just do it on the fly. And that's basically what wrestling is at its core. I mean, sometimes you get moved up the card, down the card. You get put, you get, uh, put in additional matches. You get matches taken away. You get um, time cut, cut off your match. The finish has changed. Um, injuries. You get this, It's so wide open that I, I get that once you get that sort of um, initial hit, of complete improv, complete creative freedom, that when that's taken away from you, it's it's hard to, especially at 21 years that you've been going, like, it's fucking hard to take, to take like, a bit of a step back from that. Yeah, it's just, uh, as you say, it's like, it's it's the, the full package. It's like, like I said before, I'd, I'd be doing a show on, like, um, like, a Friday, or, like, the beginning of the week, say, I like... Um, a couple of weeks where I'd like shows every day or like 10 shows a week in the summer. I'm just like, I'm at a show and I'm, I'm, I'm there and I'm always looking forward to the next show. It's just like, right, where have I got to be tomorrow? What time have I got to be there tomorrow? And I was just always looking forward. And, and that's one thing with wrestling, no matter what's going on in your life, you're always looking forward to the next show because it's just like, Oh, like I've got a shit day, but tomorrow, like there's a show, you know what I mean? I'm wrestling tomorrow. So everything's good. And, yeah, just that that kind of like looking forward to something is something that uh that I really miss. Um and that just again, like it would take like a pandemic to stop me wrestling because it's been my life for so long and I've done it since I was fifteen. Um, it would take something like this to stop me or or me like popping my clogs or something like that. Cause uh <laughs> just uh I'm definitely not ready, you know what I mean? I'm I know I'm getting on, I'm like thirty seven now, but I still feel like like a teenager in many ways. So, um, so yeah, just I'm. I just really want to get back in there. Yeah, I mean the, those first bumps that you're going to take. I mean, I'm pretty everyone is going to feel those first bumps for a good few days. Oh mate, like so, I went to the trampoline park uh, yesterday, and um, I do this thing where I do a backflip and then tuck like and land on my back. Uh, so it's like a 50, 450 backflip and uh, I landed on my back and even on a trampoline, I was so sore. I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, that hurts so much. And uh, and yeah, just after, because like from the age of 15, there hasn't been like, I think the most time I've had off is like two months. Um, and that was like a serious ankle injury. And then uh, even during them two months, I was still refing and, and uh, trying to do bits and bobs. So yeah. After a year, my, my body just isn't used to it, you know, because for over a half my life, it's been used to taking bumps and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, I went down to the ring the other day because quite a big opportunity come up and I was offered like a wrestling show. Um, 
and it would be like on a week and a half notice. And I got in there and I just thought, I accepted the job at first. I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, 100%. I'm in, I'm ready to wrestle. And then after no more than an hour in the ring, I had to, I had to phone up and speak to him and just say, look, it's going to it's gonna take more than a week and a half for me to be ready because my body just isn't the way it was uh, when I was wrestling like 10 shows a week. It's just, you need reps. That's what pro wrestling is. It's just People always say, like, how do you get this good and how do you do this? And all it basically is, is like anything else. It's just reps. If you're doing shows like two or three times a day, then you're going to get good. It's just the experience and reps. That's what you need. And and over the last year, I haven't had them reps. Well, I mean, like, obviously, I've, I've only done a, a fragment of wrestling in my sort of 13, 14 years in this business. I'm guessing that the, the, all the cardio and all the weights, all that sort of stuff, doesn't really account for actual genuine ring time. It's Obviously, it, it helps. I, I always, I always say to people that the only way that you're going to get good cardio in a, for a wrestling match, for a 20 minute, 30 minute wrestling match, is by actually wrestling. Because like you, you can go running, you can do burpees, you can, you can lift weights, but nothing emulates what you do for them 20, 30 minutes. So it's, it's ring cardio. Uh, that's what it is. And the only way you're going to build that is by actually wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, because obviously you're, you're playing to, to the fans as well. You're, you're, um, if they're, they're shouting good stuff at you, you respond. They shout bad stuff at you, you respond. So you're, you're using your energy. You're using breath every time you do anything. And if you've not got that crowd there to kind of work with, all the cardio and all the weights in the world, they're just not going to measure up to actual genuine show day ring time that's it and um and and with the gyms being closed that's another thing because you do need to go to the gym you know it's um i've there's been times in my career where i've been that injured that i haven't been able to go to the gym and and there's a massive difference like when you're in there it's just there's there's something missing and um and when when i'm wrestling it's i always explain this to like younger people when they first start so like when you start wrestling you're like the matches like in like super fast forward they're just like within seconds the match is over and you've done 20 minutes before you know it but as you get older the matches kind of go in slow motion and a 20 minute match actually feels like you're in there for an hour because like everything is kind of slow and you notice everything and the, um for me personally i don't have like an adrenaline rush anymore you know i do love wrestling but i don't get nervous and i and everything, like, I can see, like, I can see, like, little tears in the canvas, like, if a piece of cotton's sticking out or, like, a face that somebody in the crowd is making, you know, that, that I might want to just change something in the match to change their reaction. And everything's kind of in slow motion. If you see, like, Spider-Man 1 where he first gets his powers and he gets he gets in a fight with Flash in the high school and kind of everything's in slow-mo, that's kind of what a wrestling match feels like for me now. So, uh so yeah, it's just um, I, I forget my point. I forget the question totally, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but basically that's what it is now. It's uh, everything's kind of slowed down, and and yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but that's what it's kind of <laughs> like. And uh, and yeah, uh, comparison. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on. So I do love the Spider-Man comparison. That is superb. Yeah, it's just that that's and like I remember like my first match um, in Longton in Stoke uh, in a working men's club there, and honestly like the, 
I say I remember it, but I remember little like seconds of the match because it went so fast and uh, and yeah, that's just the way uh, wrestling goes. And another comparison I make is like when you're young, like you're fit and you've got your body there, you you're totally like in shape. You're you're there. You're physically fit, and then you you just haven't got the mind when you're young. But like as you get like to the end of your career and your body's totally knackered, you've got the brain for it. You know what I mean? So it's just like yeah. these are little comparisons in wrestling that nobody really gets until they've actually been there. Now in my career, I feel like I'm just in the middle. Like my body's still like not knackered enough to like not go. And I've kind of got the mind like half right. So uh so yeah, these are little lessons that uh anybody listening to this might want to think about in the future. That's amazing. I love, I love that. So I mean it does explain a lot when we talk about Keith Myers. When I know uh, Keith Myers trained you. I mean, he's trained fucking everybody. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's that, he is sort of like the British Terry Funk. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. No one's got a bad word to say about him. It's, it's, and he's still going. I think he's 62 this year, 62, 63, if I've kind of got my maths right. And he still loves it. I mean, this year off because of Corona, it's, it's been kind of like killing him because a year to a 20 year old is nothing, but a year to a 60 year old, feels a lot more different of course yeah like bless keith like he probably hasn't got that many years left in the job so you're right like a year to somebody like that is a, is an absolute killer yeah i mean to be fair keith's gonna outlast me at this rate mate he's kind of like he'll probably you... outlast me too <laughs> <laughs> oh it is if you've ever seen get him to the greek where they're saying like british rock stars never die it's like yeah. to... Ozzy Osbourne outlast Miley Cyrus. That's kind of how I feel about Keith Myers. He's, he's going to like far outlast me. Just He'll do laps around me. Um, oh, sorry. We've got some very weird tangents on this show today. We've got Spider-Man, we've got Ozzy Osbourne and Miley Cyrus. This is fucking <laughs> This is a... This is the way my mind works. It just like goes off and it does its own thing, and I'm just like along for the ride. I like to call it my intuition. It just, it just starts talking, and then my I just snap and just like, where are we even going? You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> the thoughts of a madman. Right. I mean, we're just we're just two stokey blokies because like, even when we started this uh, phone conversation, you had that hybrid voice of sort of half stoke, half werewolf. Now you kind of we're kind of like paralleling each other a little bit. You've gone a bit more stokey. I've gone a bit more scouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, and it's just like it's it's crazy when I do go back to stoke because I just hear all the accents and I'm just like, oh yeah, and my mind kind of remembers it, and then I start speaking it and like start saying, oh my sen and all this <laughs> things that like you never hear up here, like you call somebody yoth, and it's just like, <laughs> God, oh my God, all these memories are coming back from oh. when I, when I was growing up. So you've got to walk through even Castle and Lime or Hanley Market. Maybe sort of Saturday morning when you know, all the market stalls are setting up, like all the fruit and veg stalls, all that sort of thing. It's the most beautiful thing in the world because not that many people know the Stoke accent. You know, Manchester, Liverpool, whatever. They, they know all that because it's on the TV and whatever. But the Stoke accent kind of falls a little bit by the, uh, by the wayside. But you walk through those markets about 7, 8 in the morning. It's beautiful. It's, hey, up my mate. You're like, it's not just mate anymore it's my mate my it's, mate <laughs> it's, it's it's duck as well it's bab it's 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 beautiful it's a beautiful accent until we get a bit irate and then we kind of sound like angry scousers but <laughs> yeah. so you'll take, you'll that's what 
that's one thing I say up here. I say, uh, sometimes I say, I'm getting my hair off, and uh, and nobody up here just understands what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, so I I, I really want to sort of, um, like, I want to dig into your past because there's only one year between us. I mean, I think it's less than a year, I'm 37 in like three months. But I, I feel like you've done like a whole lifetime, lifetime's worth of wrestling before I even got into it. I mean, like yeah. I, I joined, I think it was May 2007 when uh, Chris Curtis kind of brought back the BWA. Um, but you were there in 2000 when it was GBH, if, 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 if that's right. Yeah, I was, yeah. It's so, like, how did you even like find out that there was there was training on so kind of like build a picture for me like where was this training going on was it at the world renowned bids club so uh it's a long story but i'll kind of cut it short so um when i was six years old i moved to norton which is in stoke and um i met a guy that i lived at the bottom of this bank called harrison harrison road and uh at the top of the bank was another lad who absolutely loved wrestling and that lad at the top of the bank became Robbie Dynamite. And oh. we met each because we were, we were in the same primary school. He was a year older than me. But because we only lived like 10 houses away from each other, we found out that we both liked wrestling. And um, we just always used to like watch wrestling. And uh, we used to get together when it was like WrestleMania or something. And uh, the parents would go like halves on it or something like that, you know. So, um so yeah, uh, we met. We we always loved wrestling, but the one difference between me and Rob is like I loved wrestling as like a fan, but Rob even from like an early age said like he was going to become a wrestler. Like no doubt about it, one hundred percent. That's what he was born to do. So um, fast forward until I'm fifteen and I've just left school, and the first thing that Rob does is because he's been out of school for a year. He's been going to the gym nine times a week and he's packed on loads of size. And uh, he says, I go to this gym um, in Anley across the road from the place and it's in a big building and the gym's on the top floor. It's on the third floor. So I was like, sound, no worries. So I finished school and he said, you're coming to the gym with me and uh, we can train together. So he drags me on, drags me along like my big brother, like he always did. And he, he signs me up. And then literally I've been there about a month training and um, we went to a show in Jolly's in Longton. And uh, at that show, they announced that they, they were opening a wrestling school in this same building in the second floor. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we went along the, the first day. Rob lent me a fiver for the first session and uh, yeah, we just turned up and this was 99 and uh I had my first match in January 2000. What the hell? I yeah, mean... so I, I always tell people, like, I, like Rob, like, always knew, like, he was going to be a wrestler. But, like, I always say, like, wrestling came and found me. It wasn't that I went searching for wrestling or anything like that. Like, think about it, 99, there's no, like, internet or anything like that to find, like, any wrestling schools. There was only like one wrestling school in the in the country in in '99, and that was like Hammerlock, and um, and yeah, it just came and it just came in our building that we were already in, and uh, and away we went. That I mean, get, I mean, getting on shows within your first year, 
I mean, that like the, the the trainers must have seen something in you to to have like put you on. Because I mean, uh, have I got this right? Please do correct me if I'm wrong. But you were against Chris Curtis, your trainer, in that first match. Yeah. So uh, I just turned sixteen, and um, and uh, Chris had this idea because he was always thinking. He was just like, so before we joined there, he got loads of publicity because uh, him and this guy called Matt Baker did the first ever barbed wire. Uh, wrestling match in in the country apparently i don't know if that was true but like he got loads of press he was on like local tv stations in stoke and stuff so he was just like i tell you what you're 16 we're gonna bill you as the youngest wrestler in the country and that's what we're gonna go with so uh so yeah just uh he was like you're gonna wrestle me and it's gonna be fine and um and it was to be honest it was like it it wasn't like bloody Shawn Michaels against bloody RVD or somebody like that, you know what I mean? But it was just like it was a decent little match, um, and uh, and yeah, and then from there on, because we were training like three hours on a Tuesday and five hours on a Sunday, and uh, and I, and what basically happened was like Rob, who was like a Commonwealth, uh, he, he won a, a bronze medal in the Commonwealth for Olympic wrestling, and basically like Rob knew more about wrestling than anybody we met within the first couple of years of wrestling because he was just he was just a natural he really was and uh we were turning up and as soon as he showed us how to do a wrist lock and a bump rob rob kind of just took over then and it was just i think we turned up like on the first day and we already had a match plan before we'd even <laughs> learned like how to wrestle you know what i mean um and I remember Chris Curtis's face just watching us like doing our stuff and he just like, oh my God, like like they're working like the right side sometimes. But uh, apart from that, like this is great. And he said you could you could you could go on a show now and do that. So um so yeah, just I've got a lot to thank Rob for. Like I do a lot of podcasts and stuff, and I'll never go without saying, like, if it wasn't for Rob, then I would have never made it as a wrestler. I would have been doing something else. Cause uh he just dragged me along all the way and uh and he he showed me what good wrestling was like when we were like 14 and 15 he made me catch a train to manchester to to go to the tape traders there and we used to spend like a hundred pound each at this this tape trader uh for like vhs tapes with like six hours of wrestling on and uh he was just like this is japanese wrestling this is mexican wrestling this is called will the sport uh which nobody like um will even know in this country at this point you know what i mean so like these are all the good wrestling and uh because i was just like a fan of wwf but rob was the one who's just like no you need to watch this this is well better and i was just like when i saw these tapes for the first times like ecw and and places like that i was just so blown away i mean the idea of getting on a train and like going to you know, spend that much money on vhs tapes like you um, sort of wrestling trainees and wrestling fans today don't quite understand how good they fucking got it. Um, I say this all the time. I say like you've got like you. We used to spend all that time like catching trains and spending all this money to watch like these these VHS tapes. They were copies and they were like really fuzzy and some of the matches were like impossible to watch because because of the quality. You know what I mean? But like it, that's that's what we were doing and. Uh, um, as soon as I left school, all I was basically doing was go in the gym with Rob in the morning. We'd get back to his house. We'd watch wrestling all day. 
and then we'd go back to the gym at night time. And that's basically what we used to do every single day. And uh, and yeah, it just I always say to students now, like, you should be watching wrestling all day, every day, because you've got YouTube right there with almost every match that's ever been. You've got the network there with all the history of wrestling. Like, there's no excuse for not watching wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, like I can't say better than that. I mean, I'm kind of in a, in a halfway house where I kind of, I mean, I had two wrestling videos. I mean, like I was a dirt poor Stokey. Like I make no sort of bones about that. I had two videos of, I was a WWF guy as well. My uncle had taped me off Sky, Royal Rumble Night 4 and WrestleMania 10. These were both from like 94. And that's the only wrestling I had growing up from the late, because I remember watching it very late 80s, from like the age of five and upwards. Um, through to, I think it would have been Roy Rumble 2000, but it's on Channel 4. So I had two videos to watch, and I watched them every fucking day. I could tell you every camera angle, every person, every slip-up, every fucking move, every colour of everyone's boots on both them shows, because I watched them back-to-back. And the idea of having, like, a network in 1994 where I could just type into something, oh, yeah, wrestling from Philadelphia, from Germany, from Japan and get at it instantly would have blown my mind. Yeah, totally. And and like you say about, like, watching them over and over again, like, we used to do, like, similar things, but we used to, like, every, like, technique was just, like, slowed down. We'd rewind it, we'd watch it again. And this is why, like, Rob, like, he had such an eye for it, because, like, he'd just watch it a couple of times, and he'd get the technique he, he just had it. He was just like, this is the way I need to move my body to make it look this way. And he was just, honestly, like, if, if nobody's ever, like, if you've never seen Robbie Dynamite wrestle, just YouTube the guy, because he's just, every match he has is, is absolutely perfect. It's just every, if you're a professional wrestler, you will appreciate, like, the little things that he does. And, um, yeah, he's just incredible. I mean, would it be fair to call him a, like a wrestler's wrestler. You're like the, the one that wrestlers should be watching because he's just that fucking good. It's just like, I've seen it a million times. Like people, like when they watch Rob for the first time, they're just so blown away. And um, yeah, it's a shame that he never became like a great star or or at least like teaching it like the PC or something like that. Because honestly, I've I've actually, I've seen people go in there with him as well and absolutely felt sorry for him because he's just ragged them around. And it's just like <laughs> the thing with Rob is he used to have this like instant. He's the strongest person I've ever met. He comes from like um, a Latvian uh, family. Um, like he comes from like Latvian genetics. And uh, and like when we were training in the gym, like 16, 17, you get these grown big ass men like it was a hardcore gym. You, these jack guys just circling around and watching Rob lifting these insane weights, like benching like five plates aside at like 17, 18, just absolutely incredible strength. And like, I've seen people go in there and try it on with him and just thought, you have no idea what's coming because he's going to, he's going to rip you a new arsehole. Um, he's just, just absolutely insane. So um, yeah, he's, he's obviously retired now. Uh, he's been retired for three years, but it's an absolute shame because I've wrestled Rob like thousands of times and every time we'd wrestle, I just knew I was in there with somebody that was better than me and somebody that I had to prove a point to every time I was wrestling. I was just like, 
I need to keep up here. I, know, I need to show this guy that I'm good. Even though he's like my brother, I yeah. was just like, every time we wrestled, I was just like, I'm wrestling somebody who's 10 times better than I am. And it's just, it just pushed me to these like really good, um, really good matches that we used to have. I mean, like, is it kind of, is there like a bit of any sort of sibling rivalry in there? Because obviously you, anyone listening to this, you can tell you absolutely, you, you love him to bits. I totally, totally get it. Is there any sort of sibling rivalry? Whereas you're like, I kind of want to one-up him a little bit. I want to do as good as him and get past him because I know he'll, he'll appreciate it. It's it, like, he, he'd appreciate me trying, but like, in my mind, I knew I was never, ever going to one-up Rob because he was just just incredible, honestly. Like, I consider myself, like, a, a decent wrestler, but, like, somebody like Rob is just incredible. Just uh, one of the best, if not the best, I've ever been in the ring with. So, if anyone listens to this, please go on YouTube, find some Robbie Dynamite stuff, just treat yourself, just give it a watch, because the, the, the guy is magic. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Um... So I've got I've got to ask, was he training under Chris Curtis? Was this in the fourteen foot ring that he had, or was this a different one that he had, that he had at the time? So uh, our wrestling school was basically a room that was uh, ten foot by about six foot, and that's, all that was in the room the room that was the entire room, and all it was was these stiff blue judo mats that had been there for a couple of years on the floor. Um, and that was our wrestling school. We had a windowsill that if we wanted to try like any moonsaults or, or <laughs> flips or anything, the windowsill was there that we used to climb on and do stuff out of. But um, the thing with our old wrestling school was just like, there was a lot of like um, macho-ness. Like our first day in the wrestling school was just like, Chris Curtis just paired everybody up and was just like, okay, you're going to grapple with each other. When you submit somebody, you're gonna move on to somebody who's just submitted somebody, and and pretty much like the first first day was just like what I call like catch catch wrestling, just submission wrestling, um, and that's all it was. But like when it came to actually the the pro wrestling stuff as well, Robbie Dynamite was such a fan of like technical wrestling that when we used to get in there, we should just wrestle on the mats, just like there was no need for for ropes or anything like that because. Every every good thing that we were doing was just mat based wrestling, and yeah, I, I just think like looking back now, that's why I got so good at the actual grappling because we didn't have a ring, so it wasn't just us doing like spots or anything like that. It was actually like on the mat grappling. <laughs> I mean, when I when I started with. Um... Obviously, it moved on from being GBH to uh, BWA. I'm guessing that's probably a more family-friendly kind of name rather than uh, what GBH kind of stands for. But we, we had a 14-foot ring, and I loved, absolutely fucking loved, watching people wrestle in a 14-foot ring, <clears throat> especially if they're sort of like, you know, mine are your height, sort of like 5'8", 5'10", 6'0", that kind of thing. Because if someone's got you in a Boston crap and you're – you know, six foot whatever and the you know, the the uh, the ropes are just like a foot and a half in front of you you've really got to work that you really can't grab that fucking rope because yeah. it, <laughs> like, it, it just minimizes everything it made everything mean something and i kind of like lost touch with you know, chris curtis when i started uh pro wrestling for you um 
and I always kind of like regretted it a little bit. We had we had a bit of a falling out. I've never disrespected him, but we had a bit of a falling out. But I'm still so fucking grateful that just like you, he taught us shoot wrestling where you'd sit back to back on on a on these dirty judo mats, and you'd go go, and you'd have to like to try you pull the other guy's arm off or put him in a sleeper. No striking, just pure grappling. Um, I'm still grateful for it. And again, we go back to today's students with a 16-foot ring, 18-foot ring, some 20-foot rings. They don't know how good they've got it. And that's kind of why I gave you the introduction to this show that I did. Because you might be the, like the last guy of that old-school way of training, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Just, uh, yeah, just... I think I think students these days like they turn up at a wrestling school and the rings there. And it's just kind of it's kind of expected now because they've seen so much like on the internet where they've seen like stuff like tough enough and stuff like that where and like other wrestling schools where they're just like okay this is it and it, even me like posting moves from my wrestling school it's kind of it's kind of expected now is where we walked in that first day not expecting anything we were just like we're gonna do this and and see where it goes so. Um, yeah just uh yeah it's a shame about chris because chris like is one of them people it's just like pretty much everybody i've ever known chris has fell out with him at some point <laughs> if they've known him so uh so yeah i totally get that and it's a shame like i'm the same i haven't i haven't spoke to chris for many years now so it's uh it's just one of them things but uh like you i'll always be grateful for that that uh that first year year and a half that i was there because that was my foot in the business yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got like a question for you that um, I was speaking to Steve Saxon, obviously former Bre uh, Britannia wrestling owner, now owner of uh, PWI UK. We were, we were saying that there's so much great wrestling that's come out of Stoke. I mean, nearly everyone's performed at Victoria Hall at one point or another. All the greats, any name, you, any name that you can list, they've been there. And it's created uh, promoters, wrestlers, uh, trainers, all these really, really great, solid uh, talent. Stoke never gets any of the credit. Wigan always does. Liverpool, Manchester, um, all these kinds of big cities. But Stoke goes under the radar and we couldn't work out why. Yeah, it's just one of them things like <clears throat> um, that, like, I want to I give a shout out to this wrestler so bad from like the world of sport era because this wrestler from stoke if like if anybody youtubes this guy he would be absolutely amazing but the name is slipping my mind right now <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god this guy's in i think it was something like bobby ryan or something like that um and um robbie brookside was the one that got me onto him because he's just like he's the greatest wrestler to ever come from stoke and I was just like, I need to watch this guy. And then sure enough, like, I think there was a match with him against Marty Jones or something like this. And I was just blown away. I was just like, oh, my God, this guy is so good. Um, I think there's a match on YouTube with him and uh, John Naylor, maybe. And uh, it just blew me away. Um, and actually, they had a legend stoke as an all-star show. Uh, and I was on the show. And uh, they had all these legends there, like Rollerball Rocco. And, and Keith was there. Clonac yeah. Kate was there, and then sure enough, there he was. And that, I'm sure his name's Bobby Ryan. I think that's that's what his name. And he was there, and I was just like, just went up to him, and I was just like, honestly, like I need to just say hello and shake your hand because 
I've watched your stuff, and I think, yeah, absolutely insane. And uh, I think he was kind of made up that, because he, he's one of these that um, he was really good, but then a job came along, like a well-paid job, like I think it was like a, say, a car salesman or something like that, and he just decided to to quit the biz uh, just uh, and just focus on his career, which is fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, just I think that I'm pretty sure that's his name. He's absolutely insane. So anybody watching, if you if you can find out like what his actual name is, just YouTube this guy. You'll be blown away. I mean, you can tell you're a wrestling trainer because we've already given out like three or four pieces of homework on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being one of my students. It's an absolute nightmare because like in the session, I'm just like something will hit me. And the way my brain works, it kind of like fires. It's just like as soon as one thing happens, it fires onto the next thing. And I'm just like... Just I'll see somebody do something. I'll be like, you need to stop there. You need to watch this as soon as you get in. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's just the way my, my brain works. <laughs> I, I, love, I love this. This is fantastic. Now, I, I've got like, I've been obviously going back through your history. I've made a couple of little notes. I don't like to write too much. Yeah, I like to just kind of keep it. Um, improv you've gone from starting tr- uh, training in 99 to debuting in 2000 to becoming the head trainer uh, oh sorry before you even get onto the sort of head trainer in 2006 you appeared in TNA 2004 so four years since you started and became head trainer of all-star school in 2006 that's a heck of a six years like in this business yeah and like when you say it like that it's just like wow, in six years you did all that. But what you got to remember is, like, when I first started with All-Star in, like, 2001, All-Star's schedule was, like, insane. It was, like, and I don't think anybody truly knows, like, how many dates All-Star was doing. But they literally had, like, something silly, like, 350 dates a year. Fucking hell. At that point, it was just, there was times where there'd be shows going on at same times as you were somewhere else in the country and uh and my schedule at that time was just from april till november i had seven shows a a week for all-star and i was wrestling every single day at midday like because butlins used to have the entertainment there even not in like in school holidays or anything like that they used to like just have the entertainment there all the time so so you'd be doing seven shows a week uh, the Butlin shows were like at midday. So if there was a show, say you were in Bognor and there was a show in, in Portsmouth, you'd do the, the holiday camp, pack the ring away and then head and do the nighttime show as well. So it was, uh, for them six years, it was so full on. It was as soon as I, I left GBH and joined All Star and, and became like a full-time pro, it was just absolutely mental. So although it was only six years, um, I was doing over 250 shows a year easy you know i mean like i mean you must have heard the people's comments over the years I and mean, especially obviously being in this sort of 21 years or whatever um like for some reason and i do i personally do not understand now i've never worked the camps i've, I've, got, I've got to kind of state that outright but the camps, for some fucking reason seems to get strobed off by people but in this business you kind of look down on them and I f- cannot figure out why they're doing it because, yeah, you might not necessarily have to go out and post it like you would a, a normal show. You, you're going to get fans that are on the you know, sort of the campsite, to my friend, away. But in terms of doing multiple shows 
per day. Sometimes you get multiple matches on those shows. Like if it's a single, a single, and a tag at the end or something. That's a fucking... That's, that's a brutal schedule. So, like, why is it that the sort of holiday camps not necessarily gets a bad name, but why is it get strolled off a little bit? I, I do not get it at all. It's just the anybody that slags the, the camps, it must be they don't understand. You know what I mean? It's just... So you are wrestling in front of people that have never seen wrestling before. The majority of the people there, they're on holiday and we're the entertainment. Uh, just like a magic show, just like a, um, a singing band or like a circus act or something like this. We are the entertainment. And like you said, like on, in, the, in the summer on the camps, we're doing two shows, three shows every single day. And if you see the, like I post pictures from the camps all the time. Like it's, it, it, like I post venue pictures every time I wrestle. And the biggest crowds that I wrestle in front of are on the holiday camps, bar none. You got thousands of people like packed in. Like even when it's sunny outside, you get all these thousands of people packed in. And the atmosphere is insane. It's so good. And um I don't I, I don't understand where they're coming from. Like when you say strawberry tough, I just I don't know where they stand on it. Um because as a wrestler, there's nothing better for you than going in there, wrestling two or th- three times every single day, going in there in front of an audience who don't know who you are. You've got to get yourself over. Uh, you've got to use your showmanship and charisma because you're wrestling in front of people who you're not going to wow with moves and pop them with your moves. You've got to actually pop them with your, your charisma and your character. Um, and then you, you go in as a nobody and you leave as a somebody and there's nothing more rewarding as a performer. Um, and as a wrestler, that's so important. It's learning to get yourself over on every single show that you do uh, two or three times a day and learning what works with people and what doesn't work is is experience that you can't pay for. You can't go to a wrestling school and get that sort of experience. It doesn't happen. You, this is the only way you can get it. Um and I, I really don't understand because when you're doing the camps, you're doing it as a full-time professional wrestler. And if you're a wrestler, that's what you want to be. Your ultimate goal is you want to leave your day job and you want to become a professional wrestler and wrestle full-time. And that's the only thing that you do. So, um, so yeah, I don't know who these people are, but I, I just don't get it at all. Yeah, I think... Um... I mean, I, I, you've summed it up perfect here. You, you, you go in there as a nobody, you leave as a somebody. That's, I can't put it in better words than that. That's superb. Uh, you, you literally to get yourself over every single show, every single match. That's what it is. I think maybe people prejudge it a little bit or what they remember when they used to go holiday camping with the family when they were a yeah, young kid. It's a bit like the sort of red coats are a bit cheesy. So they think, well, if the red coats are cheesy, the wrestling must be cheesy. But, yeah. There's nothing at all cheesy about that schedule. I, I couldn't have done that when I was 20, even though I would have, would have loved to have you know, given, um, given it a, a try. You know, sleeping on top of gym mats and, and the, the backs of vans and like tearing rings down so you can get to another show a few miles down the road. That's fucking brutal by, by anybody's standards. You know, even WWE doesn't do that. But it was when I was like 16, 17, and I... I first started on the camps and I'm doing seven shows a week. Like the life I was living is, it was so valuable. Like 
imagine being a 16 and 17 year old and like all you're doing is you're waking up at seven in the morning to get your breakfast at nine o'clock you're putting a wrestling ring up at midday you're wrestling and then you're sleeping in the car to drive to the next holiday camp which is like five hours away you get there you get doled up you go on a night out with the rest of the the wrestlers uh you stay up all night and then the next day you do it all over again imagine doing that at 16 17 it's absolutely insane so again like the holiday camps is the is the best time um and for me as a wrestler it's my best times like I, my favorite time of the year is the is the summer on the camps because i'm doing 10 shows a week i'm traveling around with all my mates and i'm i'm doing what i love and um and I, i'm i'm improving with every summer that i'm do i'm still learning i'm still improving and uh, and there's just it's an invaluable, invaluable experience. It really is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, like, it's just one of those things that I always kept on hearing, especially being around um, Kim Rocks. That's how Kim got her start in this business, working the uh, the Scottish holiday camps. And I didn't know that much about you know, what she did before I met her, and she was just kind of letting on. And she'd just tell me she'd hear things over the years, just. Um, People are saying, yeah, the holiday camps, it's an easy gig. You're like, is it? Fuck. Not, not in any way, shape or form. Not a chance. Nope. I've seen uh, so many people, fall, so many wrestlers come along and, and they haven't been able to hack it. And they've had to, they've, they, I've seen grown men start crying because they can't <laughs> hack it, you know. And you think about it, you're putting up a ring, you, you, you're wrestling, you're taking it down, you're getting in the van, you're driving to the next place and you're doing it again. And you're doing that two or three times a day. I've seen I've I've seen grown men cry. They they can't hack it. The body can't hack it because they, even what whatever you think wrestling is on the camp, she's still taking bumps, and you you still get in there and you wrestling in front of, in front of thousands of people. So you've got to go in there and give it your all. And uh and yeah, I've seen grown men quit. Uh, it really isn't easy in the least. Yeah. I mean, like, I, mean, I, I hate putting a ring up like once every sort of two months. You know what I mean? Like that for me is fun. <laughs> that's enough. Um, like I've got, I've got to ask because, um, like, I didn't quite realise the the sort of time scale of this because 2004, um, obviously you appeared in TNA. Now, obviously, I knew, I knew that obviously you were there anyway. But that's four years in this business. You have three very decent bloody names uh, there flanking you on a TNA show. Like, how the bloody hell did, did this come around? Because this is kind of Heights uh, wrestling channel on Sky Time. So the amount of people that would have been able to watch that TNA show, that's, that's a fucking large crowd, especially in this country as well. So, like, that show was actually a pay-per-view too. It was... Um, and all the pay-per-view was... was uh, our matches all put together for a pay per view. I think there was one TNA match on the pay per view. Yeah, but for the for the rest of the pay per view, it's four singles matches with us against Team Triple A. Um, there was two tag matches, us against Triple A, and then there was an eight man elimination match, which again was us against Team Triple A. And uh, and although we were there for a couple of weeks um, and filming all the matches and stuff. On the actual pay per view itself, it was just that. Um, so it was like it was a big deal, but for me, it was I'd just come back after an injury. I can't remember whether it was my ankle injury or my back injury. Um, and it was one of my first shows back. And uh, I was wrestling for All Star in, in the Northgate Arena in Chester. 
And uh, Robbie Brookside basically come up to me and he was like, uh, Luke, T- uh, this company called TNA have been in touch with me and they want four guys to go over there. He said, I've already spoke to Robbie Dynamite. He's going, James Mason's going and Frankie Sloan's going. And, uh, and I want to offer you a spot. So I was just like, oh, bloody hell, like I've only just come back. Um, and he asked me at the beginning of the show and I said, can I just let you know at the end? Because I'm going to think about it. So I went away and while I was at the show, I was just thinking about it. And then I just thought to myself, I was just like, do you know what? I'm just going to go like an opportunity like this might never come again. Um, my my flights are all paid for. I'm going to Tennessee. I've never been to America, so yeah, I, I'm I'm going. So I, I said to him, "Yeah, I'll go." And he was like, "Well, the only thing is, like, the show is in two days, so you got to get there." So I was like, "Bloody hell!" So we had to drive to London, uh, get a connecting flight, and then go. And it was just literally off the plane, straight into my first match there with uh, with SA Rios from WWF so uh, which turned out to be the worst match of my career like the worst match I'd had ever at that point and probably since and um, after the match I went outside and and uh, and cried <laughs> against the side of the building for like half an hour I was just absolutely devastated but I always say to people that happened to me and uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was it was such a bad experience. And I just said, sorry, just having a drink. Uh, I just said, said to myself, I'm never going to have a match that bad ever again. And I often say to like younger wrestlers that, that the most experience, the, the most important experiences you can have in wrestling are the bad experiences because they're the ones you learn most from. Yeah, and uh, and the rest of the matches while I was there were absolutely fine, because uh, I spent like a, the next week just just gearing myself up, and I was just like, that's not going to happen again. So, yeah, it was an important night for me that first one. Uh, what well, what was so wrong with with, uh, with was he Mister uh, Aguila at that point? <coughs> Sorry, Sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, like what what was so wrong with with the match? Because um, I can't remember if he, if he was Mister. I, I can't say, say the fucking name. I'm, I've got a Stokey accent, I apologise. I struggle with that one Mr. as well, don't worry. <laughs> Aguila, is that right? Mr Aguila. Yeah, that's the one. Um, like, what was so wrong with that with that match? Um, I, a lot of things, to be honest. It was like I got there and I got told that I was a villain, for one, like a heel, which I'd never been. And um and basically, when I got in there, I just shit the bed. Basically, I just the match went to shit. He was injured at the time. I think he was probably high, and it was just oh fuck yeah, it just didn't work at all in the least. <coughs> I mean, I I mean, the hats off to you for you know, coming out of that with like a really good, um, like a good mind for saying, you know what, it, it's hit rock bottom. It can't ever get to this again. It's got to always be on the up, and it's got to be better than this. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good um, sort of mindset to be in. Yeah, it was just it was just one of them things. I just I took it on the chin. I cried about it for half an hour. And then <laughs> after that half an hour, I was just like, "That is never. That's never going to happen ever again." Absolutely no way. So, um, so yeah, um, it was just, after that day. I was just like a new wrestler because I was just like, "Well, that's it. That's that's the worst match I'm ever going to have." And uh, and thankful, thankfully it was. 
Yeah, I mean, the the footage of this match is out there, which I'm, I'm sure you probably don't want to watch again. But I'm going to have to ask, are you ever going to release the footage of that first match from Longton? Because I've seen you post a little VHS tape picture, and I, like, I'd like i personally love to see it. Are you ever going to release that? <laughs> no, that's never going to see the light of day. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, like, would you show it your stu- like your students? Would you ever say, "Look, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to send you a link, but we can sit down and watch it together." No, because uh, the, 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 the the TNA one was bad enough. So if uh, if we want to show them a match that's really bad and a match that like I actually learned something from, then I would show them that one. Uh, to be honest, my first match, I didn't really learn anything from that first match that I had. It was just it was a match that. Obviously, with Chris being my trainer, I'd I'd wrestled him loads of times in training, so it was just doing what we'd done in training. Yeah, but like the Tin A thing, it was just like I'm like it, it's a good match to show people like somebody getting a big opportunity and shit in the bed, and then coming out the other side, and then actually like never being that bad ever again. So there's lessons to be learned from that, but um, for me, it was the most in. It, most important experience in my wrestling career. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to swing you into the first of our sort of two game show segments. I was going to play a little round of Would You Rather. I'm kind of tweaked it a little bit to make it Have You Ever. Because like I said at the very start of this show, I don't know what you haven't done. You've worked from end to end of the world, from, from America to Japan and everywhere in between. You've tagged, you've done singles, you've done bloody everything from what I, what I can see. So I've got a couple of questions to work out if I can find something that you've never done before. I'm quite scared now. <laughs> I, 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 prom- I promise you, it's all good fun. It's all good fun. Not okay. about so have you ever been the, the, the wrestler with the stinky Tupperware? Uh, 100% no. <laughs> okay. There's, there's one in every locker room. They've got... You um, chicken and broccoli that they cooked that morning, put it in the Tupperware. It's still hot, so all the steam's coming up. It can't get out. And as soon as they open that Tupperware tub, it fucking stinks the entire locker room out. There's one in every room. No, so uh, with, with us, Robbie Dynamite was known as the, the stinky one because he was just like, uh, <laughs> all he used to eat was 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 tuna. So, like, he'd get to the vin- venue, he'd have his, tu- his tins of tuna, and then he'd get the tuna, and then he'd tip it in the bin or the sink, and he, he wouldn't wash it down properly or anything like that. And, uh, and he'd have this tuna breath, and it was, like, seeping through his pores because of the amount that he was eating. So, uh, yeah, um, me, and, me and my friend Kid Cool, we were, like, known as, like, the clean Stokies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Funny, like, I really, really hate the smell of tin tuna. Like, tuna and salmon, like, tin fish. I don't know what it is. It just makes me heave. I was at wrestling training with BWA. There's a guy named Gents, uh, if you ever met him. Really big yeah, guy. I did. Right. Yeah. Um, and he came in with, like, a little two-pinter of, it looked like chocolate milk. And I'm kind of like a, you know, a malnourished stoke. There's no two ways about it. You know, we, were, we were piss poor. And I thought, oh, I want to put on some weight. Again, can, can I ask, can I have a smell of that? Because me thinking I was 40 was like a chocolate protein powder. And I thought, well, if I can have the smell of it, then I'm, I'll look to buy some and try hopefully put some weight on. He, he said, yeah, cool, mate, took the lid off. I took a massive lungful 
and it turned out to be liquidized tuna rather than protein shake. Oh, no. It felt like tuna was in my lungs. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. But enough about me. A couple more questions for you. So have you ever been the guy that forgot to wash his gear? Like the, Again, there's one in every locker room. The muskiest gear. We had one at Press and Few. I'm not going to name him because he was absolutely bloody lovely. But when he took his gear out of his bag, everyone fucking smelt it. Has that ever been you? Again, like, literally, like, I've always been known as the wrestler, like, that smells really nice. Um, and, I've, like, when it comes to, like, self-hygiene and stuff like that, I am that way anyway. Like, I've always been, like, really clean and, like, to smell nice and, and brush my teeth twice a day and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So, uh, <clears throat> after every single wrestling match, the first thing I do, like, is even on the camps, like, it, if I've got, like, a show in the daytime, as soon as I get at night, I'll wash my wrestling gear. Uh, I'll let it air out during the night, like dry during the night. And then by the next day, it's nice and clean. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's actually cost me quite a bit of money keeping my gear so clean because the, the more you wash your wrestling gear, the, the more it messes up. Like it's not made to be washed, especially like my material that's, that's, uh, that's made out of the fabric that, that that's made out of. Um, so it's actually cost me my hygiene has cost me thousands probably. So, uh, but it's it's one of them things like you know what thing everybody, everybody is thankful for it. Then there was one in every locker room. Obviously, we're not we're not going to point fingers, but we we are, we are very, very very grateful. So a couple <laughs> more for you. Have you ever missed your entrance cue badly? And we're not talking maybe just like a second. You ever missed your entrance cue like someone shouting you from from? The stage, and Dean, you need you kind of need to be here, mate. It's like shit, shit, and you've just uh, had to like dodge through the curtain again. Like I'm, I'm failing this big time. But like I've always been the guy that's like, I'm where I need to be like ten minutes before. Like I'm, I'm meant to be there. Like I've always lived by the saying, like if you're not ten minutes early, then you're ten minutes late. So, uh, so yeah, I'm always there, always ready to go. So, uh, fortunately for me, I've never. Like, I've literally, there was one time I had a show in Dorking um, for All Star, and it was one of these shows where it was like a three o'clock show, and the motorway was closed, and uh, we were stationary. So um, we spoke to Brian, the promoter, and he, he told me that I was on first. So I got my wrestling gear on in, in the car on the way to the show. Literally came out of the car, got in the venue with all my gear on, uh, my opponent's music was just playing. Uh, I was wrestling Rampage Brown, and uh, he was on his way to the ring. So I literally, like, uh, got in there, just looked in the mirror, checked my hair, and then went straight to the ring and wrestled <laughs> Rampage Brown. And that's probably that's probably the closest I've ever come to like missing my cue or or missing my entrance. I, I love that you check your hair before you go out. Oh my, it, yeah, it's the it. most important thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is for me dude that's all i've got going for me i've got like a lazy eye i've got a bit of a lisp i've got a horrible voice like i've got a good quiff that's like my saving grace maybe yeah. maybe, maybe it's a stokey thing i don't know we'll well, the last the, one but the match sure. the match can be totally bad but as long as your hair's there like everything's fine <laughs> yeah exactly so the so last one before we, we kind of like move on with some more questions have you ever properly like forgotten that you've said hello to someone at a show and then when you go up to them later, you say, hey, oh, mate, nice to meet you. And they've gone, yeah, mate, we spoke half an hour ago. 
Like shit. Yeah, because the, yeah, I have done that, and I've done it so many times, and uh, especially like before I knew I was doing it. So like, it's happened a couple of times, and then all I was doing after that was just like, I'd just say hello. I'd just be like hello, and then because what I used to say was like, oh, I'm Dean. It's nice to meet you, and they'd say oh, we actually met before, and I'm just like, shit, that's so bad Like that I've done that. And after a couple of times, I just couldn't do it anymore. So most of the time now, I just say, oh, hi, how are you doing? Um, and I don't even introduce myself. I'm just like, just in case, you know what I mean? I don't I don't no. want to have to cringe like and go through that embarrassment anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two excuses. Like, I'm, I'm getting older now. I'm 37. And I've been whacked on the head more than ta- more more times than most people do in two lifetimes. So uh, I've got CT, I've got brain damage, and that I think that gives me a pass on that one. Yeah, well, and so what's my excuse? I mean, I went to a training school in <laughs> Manchester, and to be fair, everyone was wearing the same T-shirts, so it kind of threw me off a little bit. And I said hello to the same guy three times, and he didn't even say anything. Well, for he gave me a bit of a strange look on that sort of third time, and I didn't think anything of it until we were driving back. And the guy that was driving, they said, "You do realise you said hello to I think his name was Steve or something." He said, "Oh, you went up and said hello to Steve three times," and he was too embarrassed to correct you. I thought, "Shit!" <laughs> I mean, they, they all wear the same T-shirts. Oh fuck. I don't think I've said hello to the same person twice on a wrestling show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> never, mi- never mind three times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I, knew, I knew I was going to get you to chuck someone under the bus on this show. I didn't realise it would be me, but <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, we, are, we are both here, sort of stokies. I, I got into this business, 2000, I think it's May 2007. You go into it sort of 2000s. I think the very first time we ever actually met, it wasn't until 2012, I want to say. It was Wrestle Midlands. Yes. Um, which, again, like, I would have thought I would have, I would have ran into you before then. It just never kind of like came up, you know. It was um, Infinite Promotions had put on, was it, the British Wrestling Premier League, and it was uh, yourself uh, wrestling and me, your manager, as part of Team Stoke, versus, I think it was Wild Boar of Team Cardiff. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that, that, that if memory serves me correctly, that's probably the first time I ever actually met you, and... Um, I wasn't kind of used, you saying you, you're not kind of used to being a bad guy in places. I was never used to being a good guy because I'm there managing you and I'm meant to be quite impartial. And I've never done that before. I, yeah, I, it was BWA shows and Chris Curtis was, get as much heat as you can. I had bottles of water chucked at me and all that kind of old school kind of crowd shenanigans where they, they twat you with a handbag and that sort of stuff. Um yeah, it was. It's a shame that that didn't kind of go further. I thought the British Wrestling Premier League was superb. It was such a really great idea, and it's kind of shows why Zach Gibson is so lauded over now. I mean, he's obviously got a bloody good mind for for the business and for for doing what he's doing. Yeah, and and for me, it was just like it was just going back to like the way that wrestling used to be. Like I used to. I used to do matches with rounds all the time when I first started. And I used to absolutely love it. So getting the chance to do that again was incredible. And uh, I think the reason why we hadn't met is because up until like 2000 and 
11, I was I was pretty much wrestling for All Star like full yeah. time and and not wrestling for anybody outside of All Star. Um, but it was only when I did um, my first match at Dragon Gate UK uh, on that show, I wrestled Sticks, and um, I kind of had like a, I want to say a bit of a beer my bullet, a bit of a beer my bonnet because a lot of people like always like. I did. They always thought like all star guys were just like these pantomime wrestlers, you know, that couldn't really wrestle. They were just like getting the crowd like going and stuff like this. And and I was just like, hell no! Like we wrestle like over two hundred fifty times every year. Like we can do this no problem. So on that show, like I just wanted to go in there and show everybody what I could do and what what the guys from All Star could do. And at that show. You had like Stephen Flutter was in the crowd as like a fan. You had like Andy Quilden from like Rev Pro, who was the referee. You had Ben Old from like Southside in the crowd. So like from that one match, like I started wrestling for like three wrestling promoters right there. Obviously Flutter started PTW like a year after that. So it was just like that one match opened so many doors. And then from that moment onwards, I was kind of all over the indies. There wasn't really any indies in the UK that I wasn't working for. So yeah. um, Wrestle Midlands was just another one that they must have seen me at like a PCW show or some like a Southside or something like that. And they were just like, oh, yeah, will you come and work for us? I was like, of course. Like, if I've got a night off from All Star, then I do this as a living. So it's, it, of course, I'm free. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, and obviously Zach Gibson getting in touch to be part of that was was great. And obviously hearing that the rules were going to be like British wrestling rounds and it was going to be like a throwback to to the wrestling that I love was was absolutely incredible. And, yeah. And I, I just loved that match. I really did. And unfortunately, no, I think somebody was recording the show and then during ma- that match, like something happened with the camera and it didn't record, which yeah. is a shame. But... Um, yeah, that I think we had fun in that match, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was, it was really good. I mean, there was one moment because managers weren't managers. I mean, I'd I'd spent like some 2007 to 2012 being that tip, yeah, the typical manager on the outside. You get a couple of cheap shots in, you do that, you do the trip up and you hit the ropes. Yeah, all the typical manager shenanigans. And they said they didn't want any of that. Like, so no, no, you just you just need to stand there. And yeah, and I, th- I think your job was to like give me like advice like between rounds and <laughs> and like g- give me a sip of water, kind of like what they do in UFC now, you know, like as yeah. a corner man, just like just be there to like give me some words of wisdom. I mean, like, is, is that not the most ridiculous thing in the world that I'm giving you advice? Like, <laughs> oh, 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 fucking hell! I, I can give you, I can give you a sip of water, but that does make me a water boy. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. Like, well, what am I going to tell Dean Allmark? Like, yeah, Dean, no, seriously, you need, you need to slow your shit down. I mean, I'm not. I, I wouldn't do that. Like, well, up. whatever your job was, you did it very well, anyway. Thank, thank you, sir. You're way, you're way too kind. I mean, I, I stood there and just sweated through my suit. I think that was that was uh, the the everything I did that night. So, <laughs> um, well, one thing I've got to ask because obviously we did talk about you know, British wrestling, the sort of um, having rounds. Um, I've just come off the back of doing the episode with Sexy Kev. Now, Kev Lloyd is a big, big fan of technical wrestling, old school wrestling. He loves uh, matches with rounds in. And I don't think we kind of 
came up with a reason or came up with a way to bring that back? I mean, has it kind of gone fully now? Is it just uh, a match stipulation every so often? Or can we go back to kind of doing that a bit more often and it doesn't feel like an odd one out? I mean, is there a way back? Um, You probably couldn't get away with doing it like every match on the show anymore because obviously most shows that you go to have got kids there and they're conditioned to watching wrestling the way it is in the WWE. So it's just to turn up and kind of do anything else would kind of ruin that for them. But like I wrestled Johnny Kidd. Uh, the first time I wrestled Johnny Kidd was was at a legend show in Croydon. And, uh, and we did rounds in that match. And it went so well. It really did. And uh, and I think there's there's definitely a spot on every show where you can do that. Like, it, it's so much different than everything else on the show. And, and I feel like in your matches on your shows, you want every match to be as different as possible from the last one. So, um, so yeah, I definitely think like with the with us being British wrestlers, we should kind of want to keep our like heritage and the stuff that we've done, like our tradition. You know what I mean? Because uh, I feel like the wrestling in itself, like a lot of tr- the tradition, has been lost over the years by the way wrestling is now, and kind of everybody's really well rounded and. And the actual like wrestlers who just wrestle like the British wrestling style have kind of died off a little bit now. So um, I definitely to answer your question, yeah, there's there's definitely a place for at least one match on every show for that type of match. Um, I've done it myself, and and it, it really does work. Like my match against Johnny Kidd from Korean is on YouTube, so that's another match that anybody can check out and and just see. Like Johnny Kidd's a master, you know, and I was just along for the ride in that match, so uh, they can go and just see see how it's done. Bit, bit more homework for the uh, for the listeners today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we, obviously, we come to get us in uh, Dean or Mark in pro wrestling for you. It took us until 2018, which again, that is that's fucking weird. Really that's insane. Since you March 2011, and I think. I probably felt that, yeah, because I, I'd kind of built up in my head just how big All Star is. I mean, they, they All Star are fucking everywhere, you know, and it just felt like you you never got a day off. You and I thought, well, I I, I can't see Dean getting day, you know getting a day off to come to this little working men's club in Stoke. I kind of felt. I mean, I probably should have asked. There's no two ways about it, but yeah, that's probably um, my sort of thought process of. He's busy. I, I don't. I don't want to upset you. Know, that sort of the stuff he's already doing, perhaps. Mhm. Uh, and yeah, I kind of get that. But like, um, people need to remember that the guys that wrestle for All Star are like full time professional wrestlers, you know. And we don't want days off. So if there's like a chance that like we have got a day off from All Star, we would one hundred percent be willing to wrestle because. As well as this being our living and we're doing it for the money, we do it for the love of it too. And uh, and obviously, like, and honestly, from the bottom of my heart, like every show that I've done with you has been absolutely amazing. And uh, every time I've driven home from them shows, I've always driven home with a smile on my face, thinking, "Oh, that was that was so nice being back in Stoke, and and the atmosphere was so good, and and the match went really good." So uh, so yeah, it's a shame that like it took us so long, but like. 
when it did actually happen, it was worth waiting for, I feel. Absolutely. I mean, we, we did get you some oatcakes as well. I can't remember if it was the first show or the second show. I know we did get you uh, a pack of oatcakes. Yeah, I've always been treated really, really well. <laughs> More than I probably should have, to be honest. Like, uh, Brian would let, leave me behind for a box of merch in a heartbeat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I honestly do. That's cool, mate. That's cool. Um, so, obviously, we, we kind of like booked your first match for us, kind of like going backwards, because we knew that we had you for that show. It was the last show before Christmas. I think it's the last day of November 2018. It's press infused by the power of Grayskull. And we knew that we had you. And for all, Mark Morgan's a, like, I, I'll, I'll go on record to say Mark can, when he's got a clear head on him, sometimes he can get in his own head a little bit. And if you ask him how matches went, he's very rarely positive about his matches. But... He, he can really piss the crowd off. He's kind of got a bit of that JBL kind of about him where people really think he's that much of a prick. And we knew putting him in the Rumble, I think he was in September that year, that the winner's going to get a shot. We were going to put him against you and we needed to, to put it in the main event because if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And as much as I absolutely love that match, and I can't deny I love it, Tony the ref gets knocked out. It's a beautiful match. You're fighting into the crowd. I think at one point you're fighting in front of Mark's family and his family are cheering you on. I, whether Mark didn't do the dishes earlier that day or something, I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, but you did fight onto my merch table and uh, broke a few New Day lunchboxes. Mark did, not you, I have to state. Mark broke a few of them. Um, and I think there's some footage of me in the crowd with my arms up in the air going, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and it's, fine, it's fine. I blamed Mark. And I think, I think we ended up selling him, like, because no one had bought him and it was the main event anyway, but because he'd been used in the show, people came up and bought him. So, oh, there you go. So, like, silver lining. I'm, yeah, I'm learning that from you. Silver lining. Yeah, you, can, you can always learn. Um, <laughs> was this the show because I can't remember if it was this one or the one after I want to say it's this one were you like really flued up on this show or was it the show after um, I'm not sure to be honest maybe yeah maybe it was that one I'm not sure remember you, you came through the back I remember you coming through the curtain and I stood at the back of the room kind of um, doing some music stuff with uh, Chris our DJ and um, you come walking up to me, and you've got you have the face of I'm a bit flued up, like you. Know, you can tell people are a bit like hot and a bit, yeah, you know, the head's kind of a bit congested and whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, you're, you're right. Said, yeah, mate, perfectly fine, perfectly fine, not not an issue. And then after the match, he said, I don't remember any of that. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, and it's one of them things. It's like when you wrestle so often, like. I, I I always pride myself on like not crying off jobs. If I, if I've told somebody that I'm going to wrestle, then I'm going to be there, you know. Unless yeah. unless like I've had a car crash on the way or something like that, like I am going to be there. So it's uh when you say about me wrestling with a cold, it's something that I've done thousands of times. So it's yeah. uh it's nothing new there to be honest. And I going from that match I think the next one that we kind of booed you it was May 2019 and press infused uh, we want you and we had you teaming up with Mr. Opromania Matt Brooks versus Sheikh Al-Sham and Garrett G. Wiz Bond 
Uh-huh. I can't remember if I told you this at the time, so I'm going to make a little admission on the podcast, and hopefully you don't hate me too much. You are a, you are a Port Vale fan, is that correct? Yes. Um, now, obviously, I, I didn't know that Matt Brooks was going to sing Angels. I can't remember if he planned that in advance. I mean, he must have brought the music with him, so I imagine that was kind of like planned in advance. Obviously, singing a Robbie Williams song. Robbie Williams is also a Port Vale fan. And I took Matt to one side, a kind of out of earshot of you. I said, Matt, I really need a favour. Is there any chance you could get Dino to sing Delilah? Um, uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. I mean, he didn't see the the connection. He's just kind of like, I'll see what I can do for you, mate. Um, yeah, I, I try get him to sing the, uh, the the Stoke song with me just to see if he'd go along with it because I'm a bit of a dickhead like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's I mean, kind, it, of back, it, it, it kind of backfired because you had to listen to Angels. By a Port Vale fan at one of your shows, so oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm not a football guy, so for me, like I'm not too frustrated. Um, we did a charity show at Port Vale Football Club. Um, uh, it's got Oscar Mania because it's all um, uh, for the Donna, Donna Louise sort of hospice, and the Port Vale ground is absolutely gorgeous. I don't care if Stoke Stoke fans want to say the Britannia or Three Six Five Stadium, whatever is better. That that Port Vale venue is actually beautiful, and we couldn't have been treated any any better by the Port Vale um, staff. So yeah, I've got I've got no beef with Port Vale, but knowing that you're, you're a Vale fan, I did kind of want him to get it, and he, he couldn't do Delilah for me. I'm a bit wounded. <laughs> oh, well, lucky you tried. <laughs> but you know what? There's there's there's, there's always next time. So <laughs> you'll get me next time. So. <laughs> But even if I have to sing it with you, and this is not a singing voice, I only admit this, but I will take that bullet and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe kind of sing Delilah with you. Just maybe. Okay, well, maybe I'll have a, a trick in return. Because in <laughs> wrestling, there's, there's always a receipt. <laughs> there's always a receipt. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I'll be ready. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, right, well, uh because we're kind of getting near this sort of like hour and 20, hour and a half kind of point. I want to get us into the final segment of the show. It's another little game show bit. It's very easy. We promise we're not chucking anyone under the, under the bus, anything like this. But it's something we've been doing the past few shows. Now, obviously, wrestling's taking a bit of a break, a bit of a breather. And when it comes back, it's not going to resemble anything that it once was. It's going to be brand spanking new. Bit scary, but I think really exciting all at the same time. So I've been asking people that have been on this show, what I want from you is one thing, it's called a stop, start, continue. So we need a one thing in the business we need to stop, one thing in the business we need to start, and one thing in this business we need to continue. So obviously the continue is something that you think we're very proud of, we do better than any other industry, any other form of entertainment. Take that to me, whatever you want it to mean. So a stop, a start, and a continue. Oh, bloody hell, mate. Oh yeah, I'm talking. About, <laughs> this always gets people. Like I don't tell people we do this in advance because I want their kind of initial improv reaction. Bloody hell. Um, okay, so the stop is trying to copy. Um, copying stuff in wrestling is something that like is a bit of a pet hate of mine. Like 
when people like blatantly just like do the same as somebody else whether it's like a wrestler that like just copies like moves um to the t of like like favorite wrestlers and stuff like this uh wrestling promotions that just try and be wwe uh just anything when it comes to like even like people that like when CM Punk was popular, everybody was wearing like CM Punk's gear. You know what I mean? Just like little things like this. So like copying has to stop. Yeah, absolutely agree. So we're gonna start something we need to start doing. Uh, something that we need to start doing is, um, from a wrestling point of view, everybody kind of needs to like. Um, stop using students on their shows like student matches are good but like there's certain shows that like and certain companies that have been like killed by just putting like all of their students on the shows instead of like booking like established wrestlers like for me that's one thing that will like kill a company where they just like try and load their shows with their students uh, so yeah, just uh, and for wrestlers, wrestlers need to like really drill the basics of wrestling before they want to go in there and start. I know I'm sound, sounding a bit like an old timer now, but not all. Not the all. fundamentals for me are the, the most important things, and if you've got a solid foundation, then you can build a really good house on that. If you've got shit foundation, then the house is going to come crumbling down. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of a long answer for that one, but. I'm going to go with that. That's super. So last, uh, something we need to continue doing. Um, we need to continue knowing that the British wrestling scene is the biggest wrestling scene in the world. Um, it really is. Um, look at like any, any wrestling promotion in the world right now. you got like Drew McIntyre, who's on top of WWE. you got Will Ospreay, who's... The, the top guy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you've got all these British wrestlers spread out all over the world, and they are the top guys. And if you put a wrestling show on, put it against the British wrestling show, and it, it, the British wrestling show will knock spots off it because the British wrestling scene has been hot for so many years. It just needs to continue going the way it is right now. You've obviously got NXT UK, who is like the brand now, you know what I mean, to compete with the yeah. other brands in, in WWE. So uh, the British wrestling scene needs to continue to grow. Superb. We'll, we'll, see, put people on the spot, they come out with some really fucking pure pure gold. Cannot fault it. Well, I did my best. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, you I mean, because we started off saying at the, at the start of this podcast, it's pure creativity. It's It's improv. It's thinking on your feet. It's making stuff up on the spot. That's why I purposefully don't tell people what we're going to do. Sometimes I might chuck a round of family fortunes at people on these podcasts. I, I just kind of do whatever I want to do because I kind of want to keep people on their toes a little bit because it makes for better creativity, better, an, a more organic, entertaining kind of product, and that's what wrestling is. I agree 100%. Superb, superb. So, is there anything that you want to promote uh, before we sign off? Because I know you do a lot like you. Uh, I've not, not seen any move of the weeks for like a little while. I know obviously wrestling's kind of taking a bit of a breather. But have you got anything of yours that you want to promote? 
Um, with the move of the week, like like I was saying about my creativity, like I did start doing the move of the week a couple of years ago, and then all this stopped, and obviously my wrestling school closed, so I couldn't post any new ones to like my Insta or anything like that, which I was doing before. Um, but what I did do, just for a bit of creativity, just to satisfy it a little bit, is I created like a second Instagram account. And on that Instagram account is just every move of the week that I ever did. So like anybody that's wanting like see like some different stuff or learn a little bit of stuff in this time where they're not actually like wrestling, you can actually go to that and it's just the moves of the week. Um, and I guarantee like I think there's there's something like 150 on there or something like that. So uh, I guarantee there'll be one thing on there that you've never seen before. Uh, that you might want to work on when you get back to like wrestling school or something like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I've got that. I've got my YouTube channel, which has got like over 500 matches on there. Um, and I'm very proud of that because like in the mid 2000s, I decided to buy like a video camera and uh, All Star obviously doesn't do like TV shows or like any DVDs or anything like that. I just started recording my matches and then throwing them on YouTube. And then over 500 matches later, like that's where it is. And on that YouTube channel, you can find matches like Dick Togo against James Mason from like Liverpool, uh, Robbie Dynamite against Duty and Thunder Liger from, from London uh, for All-Star. So these little matches that you just like, wow, like I can't believe that happened. Like Danny Collins against Dave Finley from, from All-Star. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, from from a legend show that they did. So my YouTube channel's up there, um, and you'll find some some gold on there. And then the usual social the socials, you know, Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Yeah, come and say hello. Super. So obviously, um, everything we've said to ladies and gents, please uh, the homework that Dean has given you, please do go out of your way because if if he's if Dean is recommending them, then you know they're going to be worth fucking watching and uh, just just enjoy them, you know. Fantastic, fantastic, mate! I can I say like thank you so much for do for doing this because uh, I, was, I was a little bit nervous because you know sometimes I tend to um, uh, do podcasts with people that are quite new to the business. I've not I've not done Keith's show yet, or I've not done referee Tony Barrett's show yet. It's all quite sort of new people to the business and seeing their outlooks and all this sort of thing. And they tend to be quite optimistic outlooks because they've not been jaded or ground down or anything like that yet, especially within their first couple of years. And it's been so good to hear someone that's been in this business for 21 plus years, done pretty much everything that you can do. I mean, you've even been a beef eater to Carmella. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, to do all of that and to still be this optimistic, this positive, glass half full on nearly every single thing, uh, that you talk about, even if it's something that grinds your gears, you've got a way out of it or a way to improve it. And having that kind of outlook, this business needs it and this world needs it. So, mate, honestly, thank you so much for continuing to put, to put that message out. And uh, yeah, cheers for doing my show. Oh, mate, thanks for having me. Honestly, like, obviously, when me not wrestling, just coming on here and speaking about wrestling for a little while, it just... It's like a release for me, you know, so it's uh, and one thing I will say is in wrestling, it's important to be positive in every situation. Uh, you'll get far in this business if you just stay positive and always see the, see the bright side. Uh, you've got to because 
if you start seeing the negatives, then you'll end up quitting. So positivity is the key. See, actually, that's a perfect line to end this podcast on. I can't do it better than that. So, obviously, Dean, thank you so much. And, and ladies and gents, thank you so much for listening. This has been Snap, Crackle, and Cheap Pops, Series 3, Episode 14. He's been the wonderful Mr. Dean Ormark up in Phil Woodvine. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.